stuff can have effects on your spirit, effects on your emotional health, and living in this cluttered place really started to get to me. And the the stuff was part of it. My overstuffed schedule was part of it. But I began to feel like I I almost couldn't breathe because my life had too much in it. That's Courtney Ellis, and she was our guest last time on Focus on the Family. She's here again, and uh, she'll be sharing from her heart about her journey uh, from anxiety and too much stuff in the schedule, too much stuff in the in the house, to uh, a space where God could really meet her. Thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. Uh, your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. John, I so appreciated Courtney's vulnerability last time. Just talking about things that she and her husband, Daryl, have changed to actually make more space for God. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And yeah. everybody resonates with the idea of unclutter, right? The title of the book. How do I make more space in my life by getting rid of stuff I never use or rarely use to my schedule, to even technology we talked about last time, and we're going to continue to have this discussion. There's so many good elements in this book. I I make fun of some of the decluttering books, but they're good for us, and uh, I am a clutter-free guy. I throw everything away to my demise, even phone numbers that Gene is trying to keep. I mean, I'm like, whoa, everything's out of here. And, uh, you know, I have to learn to dial down, but I love the subject because it is a spiritual truth that, uh, you know, the Lord put boundaries around his activity. I think you can make a case that uh, keeping a clutter-free environment is a way to have God's shalom in your life, peace. So if you're feeling stressed, which I think is probably going to be everybody, this is going to be for you. Mm-hmm. And it's much more than just stuff in our rooms. It's it's a lot more than that. And Courtney uh, Ellis, as I said, is here again. She's a wonderful speaker, writer, podcaster. And uh, Jim, you mentioned the book already. It's called Uncluttered, Free Your Space, Free Your Schedule, Free Your Soul. Uh, John, before Courtney jumps in here, I want to just read a scripture I think that lays the framework for us today, Matthew 6, which says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I mean, that that's right in your face, you know? So, Courtney, welcome back. Thanks for having me. Yeah, what do you think of Matthew 6? Do you resonate with that? I love it. I love it. It speaks to me on many, many levels. Did you always love it? That's the question. I Back did. when, when you may be a little more cluttered, was that as uh, clear to you as it is today? It wasn't. I really, really had to begin digging into the why. Why was I trying to keep so many things? And I realized, ultimately, it came down to a lack of trust. I, I mm. needed to prepare for every possible eventuality in my life. And I couldn't trust the Lord to provide and to care. And I was I was shoring up treasures on earth so that I would be safe no matter what. Yeah. And God calls us to to live in trust and in faith. And my possessions were beginning to own me. Yeah, and you're leaning into something I was going to ask a little later, but this is a good time. That that concept of you know for a rainy day. Yes, it's not exactly how you said it, but it's the same concept. You know, so a person can rationalize. You know, I need this uh, pair of prom dress shoes. This is what we talked about yesterday with your husband, Daryl. I love that. I want to meet Daryl. He's great. But he's held on to these prom shoes for quite a long time because of the sentimental value. I get that. And we all do that to a degree. But um, when you get down to practical reality, really, when are you ever going to wear those prom shoes? 
He's got plans. <laughs> <laughs> but that idea of rationalizing, keeping more than you should, because someday some catastrophe could happen and I might need that 400 pound bag of licorice. Right. And we're all going to fit in our, our high school jeans again. So you have to hold on to those, all of us. <laughs> so there's. I'm looking sad right now. <laughs> I left that goal a long time ago. I'm like, okay, after I've had the third baby, we're just going to get rid of the high school, the high school jeans. <laughs> you would go to the high school 32 jeans. <laughs> right. But there, there is something to that, to, to digging into the why. And um, there's a wonderful group called the Minimalists, and their rule on just in case items is if you can get it in under 20 minutes for under $20, you have permission to get rid of it. Because we can fill our entire houses with things for the just-in-case moment that might never occur. But in the meantime, we've got to dust it. We've got to store it. We've got to find space for it. And that eats away at our time and our attention. And those are two of our most precious commodities. Uh, one of the huge benefits, uh, Courtney, from your decluttering process was the ability to hear God more clearly. Uh, you compare uh, hearing from God to something Elijah went through in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. I think it was in First Kings. What What did Elijah learn about listening to God in that context that we could all learn? I love this story. This is one of those stories that that children love, that adults love. It speaks to all of us. But Elijah goes out to hear from God. God calls him out into the wilderness to, to listen. And he's on the edge of this mountain and there's a fire and God is not in the fire. There's a great wind and God is not in the wind. There's an earthquake and scripture says God was not in the earthquake. And then after all of this is a silence. And the still small voice of God can be heard. And so often we are so busy and our lives are so full. You said God is calling us to these big things, but we can't hear that voice. Mm. And it's like walking around with a backpack full of bricks. And we're like, God, I want to do great things for you, but I'm really tired. Why am I so tired? And God's like, take off the backpack, set down the bricks. That's our schedule. That's our stuff. When we overfill our lives, it becomes very difficult to hear from God. And God is often so gentle with us. God doesn't shout us down. Mm. He could. But God speaks most often, we see this in scripture, in this still, small voice. Are we listening? Can we hear? You also describe how God is listening to us and wants to hear from us regularly. I think some of us as Christians, you know, pray without ceasing. I mean, I was thinking about that the other morning. I, I mean, maybe I could do that in my spirit, and I'm even unconscious about it. But that's a big thing, to pray unceasingly. Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah. I got to clean up my mower, <laughs> you know? But, you know, not to be disrespectful or anything like that, but it, it does kind of point to the direction you're trying to outline in your book here. You got to take the bricks out so you can do those things and talk to God regularly. Absolutely. And there is a sense that as we begin to follow God more faithfully in our lives, our lives themselves become a prayer. You can clean out your bookshelf faithfully for the Lord, and that is an act of prayer. You can keep time for Sabbath in your schedule, and that is an act of prayer. I think I was raised to believe that praying was always many, many words, but it isn't. Prayer can be through action. Prayer can be through silence. Mm -hmm. Elijah is communing with God in prayer in that time of silence. And so the more I uncluttered my schedule, the more I uncluttered my shelves, the more space there was where I could really begin to hear from God through scripture, through conversations with my husband, through the work of my church in a deeper way. Yeah. And and, you know, I, I guess the art of that, if I could say it's an art, it's how to slow down. Yes. and be able to listen and see and see what God is doing. 
again, sometimes we're at such a pace with our schedule, whatever it might be, we don't, we're like breezing by. It's like going through a town and you never saw an off ramp. Yeah, you know? the, the most surprising thing to me in writing the book was I was writing it to get myself out of this panic. It was, I was writing it for me and it was going to be about less. But the more I wrote, the more it was about more. That uh, what God wants is us to live with open hands and stop clinging to our stuff and our busyness so that God can fill us with more of himself, of the freedom, of the hospitality, of the love of Sabbath, all of these beautiful, deep things that you cannot buy and you cannot schedule. Yeah. Uh, moving into hospitality. It's funny you mentioned that because that was the next topic I wanted to cover with you. Um, I wouldn't have connected the idea of decluttering to move you toward better hospitality or margin for hospitality. So uh, why do you believe that connection exists? My biggest hurdle, and I think it's true of many parents of young children, my biggest hurdle (laughs) to hospitality was the house was a mess. And the more stuff you have, the easier it is for the house to be a mess. And for the listeners and viewers, that's your kids are 10, 7, and 4. So you're living the dream of mess. We are we are Legotopia right now. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, for sure. We don't have a burglar alarm. We just have Legos. Yeah. It's the same it's, thing. This is like just the thing. When you say Lego, I go, ouch, because I stepped on yeah. so many of those yeah. things and they hurt my feet. It's the clear ones. The clear <laughs> ones are a crime against humanity. I see the colored ones. Yeah, for sure. But the biggest hurdle was the house is a mess. And I was like, okay, we can have people over, but I need to get home an hour early and we need to do this and I need to get the kids and we have to... And when we began to let go of possession, suddenly that tidying was a a lot easier. But also God had to reframe the whole idea of hospitality. It's not about beautiful Martha Stewart dinner party. It's about inviting in the weary traveler or the next door neighbor who's Mm. had a really harried week. It's not about impressing. It's about loving and caring for. How do you, how did you, uh, and I'm thinking for the wives, the moms who, you know, so often this is a reflection of them. So, and I get that. It, I'm not critical of that, but to not have the house just right for that couple coming over for dinner tonight, it reflects upon me and my lack of ability to keep it together. Whatever voice she's hearing inside her head, how did you get to the point to actually relax and say, you know, tidy is good enough. It doesn't have to be spick and span. And I think a lot of a lot of women particularly struggle with that concept that clean enough is clean enough. Mm-hmm. One of the phrases you'll most often hear if you come to our house unexpected as the laundry is on the couch, but it's clean. <laughs> That's the bar. The laundry is on the couch, but it's clean. No, I, I had to realize that the hospitality piece is about loving the other person. It's not about how do I look in this situation? And I had to lower the bar a little bit. And what I've discovered is when you invite friends in and your house is not perfect, it is a grace to them. There are the few people who will be a little judgy, but that's about them, not about you. But mostly mm. people read that as, oh, I you're can You're just have, like me. Yes, you're not perfect. <laughs> I can have you over now. And it yeah. doesn't, you know, when I visit a friend's house to drop a kid off for a play date and that friend is in a bathrobe, I read that as trust and love. Mm-hmm. You know, you trust yeah. me enough to meet me here. That is so good. I love that. I think it's great. Um, in fact, you say, you know, the biblical hospitality is being with, yes, not doing for. Yes. And that's a great concept that fits right there. Hmm. Um, you know, you're not, you're not having to perform for the person. 
to show them biblical hospitality. Yes, and hospitality doesn't always have to take place in your home. When we were in that tiny condo, we couldn't host many people at a time. You can go to the park, you can go to the restaurant. It is about the being with and the caring for and the yeah. reaching out more than the space in which you're hosting. In fact, you and Daryl keep a photograph of two ships kind of leaning in in a dry harbor, I think. I can imagine what that looks like, but why does that have any significance for you? That points back to that marriage mission we talked about where one of the things we feel God is continually calling us to is to be a port in the storm for people who have been through church hurt, for people mm. who are new to the faith and coming out of really battered backgrounds, but to say you're you're safe here huh. and you're seen here and you're loved here. And the ships are not clean and pristine and beautiful. They're really battered but they're leaning on each other. And yeah. I think there's a gospel metaphor there. I like that. I've never heard that term church hurt, mm. but I get it. Courtney, uh, the chapter on uncluttered kids. I mean, I think I was somewhat mindful in that way, maybe not as much as I should have been to help teach them these principles. But in that regard, when they're really little, I mean, they're just coming in, you're having your firstborn, all of a sudden you got a lot of stuff. You got the crib and you got all the electrical socket blockers and you got the cupboard holders i'd put all that stuff in i mean day one right so gotta be safe all of a sudden i'm getting all this stuff and of course you're getting the diapers and everything and yeah how do you it's a season and that's going to happen and those are probably must-haves you want to make sure your home is safe and all that but as time progresses how can that get out of control and how do you maintain a uh, teaching your child uh uncluttered environment it's cumulative, the kids stuff, right? It, it adds oh. and adds and adds. So part of it is to go through things every six months or every year and say, we're out of this phase now. I don't need the baby bathtub anymore. You know, the babies all bathe themselves now. Even the four-year-old likes it. She does itself. Um, so to go through things phase by phase. And rarely is the, is the kid thing for a tiny kid that wears out. So there's likely someone in your community, someone in your church who could use that really nice stroller that you're not going to use anymore, the baby bathtub. If you might have more kids, you can do a loan. Like you can have this. If we have another kid, we'll take it back. Yeah, and then it's out way. of your house. Um, so that's one of the things. But in terms of instilling the principles for our kids, what we're learning and research bears this out is our kids are so overscheduled and overstimulated and so hungry for breathing room in their lives to just play that we try to really foster and encourage that with our own kids. They each do one activity or yeah. one sport it's and good. then they play. I was going to say, how did you back into that schedule then to help your kids minimize being overcommitted? Yeah, we look for sports that are Saturdays and not Sundays, which is tricky. Um, Sunday sports can be really difficult because then you're choosing between yeah. sports and church, and then your kids resent church because it took me away and I didn't get to play in the game. So you can find those leagues. We have one that meets on Saturdays. Yeah, we did the same. Um, yeah, but to find something that clicks with your kid season by season and let them choose one thing at a time and then have some afternoons where they, they're bored. Don't schedule them. Go to the park. Now, Give them a box of hammer and nails and some wood. Yeah. That's my middle kid. Yeah. They'll do something. And you need to emphasize that because being bored is not bad. Being bored is is the soil for creativity yeah. and innovation. And the tricky thing as a parent is the minute your kids are bored, they start to get into trouble and they start to fight. But what I tell parents is if you can wait that out for 10 or 15 minutes, it usually will disperse yeah. into genuine play. And if you can't wait it out, give them a chore 
and tell them on the other side of that tour they can go back to playing and guess what? Hmm. They're excited to play on the yeah. other side of putting that laundry away. No, it's so true. Um, describe how you and Daryl are trying to find that balance between minimizing the stuff for your kids and making sure you're not being so miserly. They're not having a, a fun childhood. And there is that balance. There is for sure. And I grew up with a family that didn't allow their kids Christmas presents because Christmas is about Jesus. And I thought, I don't think I would want to worship that Jesus because I really want to. He's a taking Christmas my choice. Present, right? I was like, I get I, the sentiment that feels of it. It was a though. little extreme. I absolutely yeah. understand and respect that decision. But as a kid, that felt terrible to me. So we want to walk that balance. What we tell relatives when they ask what they can get our children for, for holidays, for gifts, is we say experiences and consumables. So our youngest child loves art supplies. And the thing about markers is eventually you use them up. You won't have those same markers on yourself 10 years from now. Right. Um, cookie decorating kit or take them to the science museum or things like this. And those don't end up sitting on your shelves. A yeah. few gifts are great. A few toys are great. We are Legotopia after all. Um, but to push toward those two things and it frees up your shelves and it often gives kids a wonderful experience with a loved one. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but the boys, you know, now that they're older, they were thinking, hey, we could cash in on these Legos. So they devised a plan to, they put so many on a scale to see what it would weigh. Then they counted how many Legos they had. We were like in the 20,000 piece Lego oh arena. I mean, you don't know what these things go to anymore. They're all right. bought as a kit, but yeah. these are all the individual tiles. Yeah. 20,000. Totally. I, I, I had to buy bins to fill them with Lego pieces right across the wall of the basement. Yeah. I mean, that's not good, right? I mean, but they're great if you can pass them on, right? Yeah, or okay. if you can resell we them. We haven't done that part they yet. They can have That's another life. Goal. Or have little kids We over. might be able to pay totally. for college. Give them to the church nursery. Not for yeah. the tiny babies. They will eat them. <laughs> pay for the college. It's investment. <laughs> um, your decluttering journey certainly led to a sweet story about your son, Lincoln, and an opportunity he had to give away some toys. And this goes back to that Christmas idea as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened with Lincoln and him giving away some things that were kind of, you know, close to him? And how old was he? He was about three. And (laughs) the Matchbox cars were making more Matchbox cars in the middle of the night. And we realized they had kind of gotten out of control. And there was a new family that had moved into the neighborhood. And a little boy who really liked Lincoln's cars but didn't have any cars of his own. And they'd play together out on the sidewalk. And I said, Lincoln, if, if you want to give some of these cars away to your new friend, I will give you one jelly bean for every car you put in the giveaway bag. And let's make sure they're the nice ones, not any ones that are broken or the paint is chipped, the, ni- the nice ones. You don't have to. But if you do, you get a jelly bean per car. He put 42 cars and he was buzzing like a hummingbird. He had had so much sugar. And I was like, my plan has backfired. But then we walked them over to the neighbor. I'd asked the mom's permission. Also, please ask the parents permission. Don't just drop off your stuff you don't want anymore at someone's yes. house. That is a burden that you're Yes, here's, here's my stuff. Right? Folks do that to us. We're like, no, thank you. Um But he knocked on the door and said, hey, you know, I know you like some cars. Would you like some of my cars? And it bonded the two of them together. And it was an example of how to be generous and how to be kind. And he's never forgotten it. It was a long time ago. Yeah. But what a great um, example for him. And you learn things at a young age that you tend to apply when you get older. So that's good. I think it's really good. Uh, You believe that worship is the ultimate uncluttered act. Connect the dots for me. How does that fit together? When we worship God, we come before God with open hands. We come before God without our bag of stuff, without our busy schedule, and we say, here I am. 
And the beautiful thing about worship is it reorients our priorities. It reminds us that God is God and we are us. It reminds us of the mission that God has called us to, to love him, to love our neighbor, and what that specifically looks like for us. Um, worship is, is everything. It's yeah, everything. It's good. And having time to do it. So if we were to peel back the proverbial curtain on your home now, you've been at it. You've written a book about it. This is always the toughest question. How great a parent are you? <laughs> but when you look at this uncluttered theme and you're seeing the fruit of all of you and your husband Daryl's labor, what does it look like now when you pull it back? Do you have the margin and time and schedule? Do you control the technology adequately? Um, is your house always tidy and always. in good shape? Always. Because you no. have so much time to clean. <laughs> yes, that's I my mean, hobby. I guess it's the perfection question. Yes. What are you aiming for? How's it work for you? What does your home look like today? Yeah, I love that question because all writing is aspirational and we're all on a journey and different clutter comes in at different times. Different schedule clutter is a pressure at different times. I have a new book that just came out and there is a lot of schedule clutter that comes with launching a book that you have to say yes to more than you might normally. And so the call is ongoing and that's a beautiful thing because that forces us to stay connected with God. If mm. we had it all figured out and perfect, we could walk away and be like, I'm amazing, I have this figured out. But the fact is, every day is a new day. Mm -hmm. And every day are new requests to put on the schedule. And every day is the temptation in the line at store to be like, maybe we do need another fill in the blank. So. The call of God is ongoing. We have not arrived by any means. And within our house, the five of us each struggle with different pieces of it. Oh, yeah. Which is one of the reasons God calls us into a family is so right. we can lean on each other's strengths. We haven't talked about personality overlay on this, you know, yeah. extrovert, introvert, all those things play into clutter. Yes. So that's that's true. Let, for the last question here as we're wrapping up, I'm just thinking of particularly the mom and the wife who's, you know, moving through life and it's a hectic pace kind of right where you're at now with littles you know they're not self-contained nice behaving teenagers that do everything you want can't wait for do. that very excited <laughs> but it's a phase and all that but describe how that process of decluttering has helped you notice god more maybe if i could break it down into your marriage into your parenting and then generally your home yeah it's it's given me new eyes to see my kids, to notice my kids. I realized how often I was looking at them on the other side of a phone. Um, it's given our marriage new new hope. I think we, we now cultivate this family Sabbath. And the first few hours of that Sabbath, we're almost shaking with the anxiety of the week. There's still so much to do. And by the end of that Sabbath, Daryl and I have reconnected. We remembered why we fell in love in the first place. Um, for our church, for our family, for our neighborhood, we now have time for our neighbors, mm -hmm. which we feel that that is in a way, God's greatest call on us yeah. is to love our actual literal neighbors. We're pastors, we serve a church, you know, we have a lot of ministry time, but a lot of our neighbors don't know Jesus, but they know us. And there's a great opportunity there. But before we had no time, mm -hmm. we're waving at the mailbox while we're running to the next very important church meeting. And those are very important, but they're not everything. So it's changed our lives and it continues to in part because we try again and we do one of the things badly and we relearn and we keep growing and that's that's the hope of the gospel. Yeah, what I so appreciate about what you're saying, it's a framework. Yes. And it's a target and you're not always going to hit the bullseye, but hopefully you're going to be around it often enough that it does change your life 
And it does give you the margin that you need to love the Lord better, love your spouse better, love your family better. That at the end of the day is what's going to matter, right? Mm -hmm. And Courtney, again, this has been so good. Thanks for being with us the last couple of days and talking about this and sharing your deepest secrets of family and things that are working in your family. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. And we really appreciate this book that you've written, Courtney. And uh, it's a great title and a great resource. It's called Uncluttered, Free Your Space, Free Your Schedule, Free Your Soul. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller. Maybe this has touched a nerve for you and you realize you've got some decluttering to do. It could be life-changing. Courtney said it a moment ago, it changed her marriage, changed her attitude towards the Lord. She has ears and eyes that are wider open to see God moving and to experience a peace in her life. If you want that, and I'm sure we all do, why not get a copy of Uncluttered? Get it from us here at Focus on the Family when you call us on 031-716-3300 or you'll find it on our website at safamily.co.za. And we have programs like today so that we can come alongside people who may be struggling in some sort of way, because that's the mission of Focus on the Family. It's why we're here, to help couples and parents and give them hope for the future. That's why we often tell you about the tons of online resources available for you. Focus is a treasure trove of help, and I hope you'll tap into us. Just call us or get a hold of us online. We also host events like our upcoming tour with Rob Parsons on 10 vital parenting lessons I wish I'd learned earlier. Please do look out for information on our website for that. The point is, Focus on the Family is here to give families hope. And you can help us do that by participating in the matching gift campaign we have going on right now. Some Focus friends have agreed to match any donation you make to this ministry. So I invite you to make a donation here at the end of the tax year. It's a great opportunity. I hope we can count on you for support. Join the matching campaign or get information on any of the resources when you call 031-716-3300 or visit our website at safamily.co.za. Thanks for joining us for today's Focus on the Family. I'm Graham Schnell inviting you to join us next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.